Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley, and I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, we have got a great guy on the show today, and we have done uh, things with him. We did a fabulous webinar with him on uh, men and grief. It's a great webinar, but he has written a new book on grief in the workplace, and introduce him, Heidi, because he's got some great info. I will. So, uh, Yes, our guest today is not a stranger to uh, Open to Hope. We've also had him on a cable television show um, that he did. And our guest is named R. Glenn Kelly, also known as Ron. So R. Glenn Kelly is a bereaved dad. Um, his son, John, died at only 16 years old of a rare heart disease. Um, since then, he has gone on to reinvent himself and reinvent his life in honor of his son. And he's done a fabulous job doing that. Thank you. Um, he is a, an award-winning uh, our author. His book is called Grief in the Workplace. He is a public speaker. He's spoken all over the country, as you know, Mom. He mm-hmm. is a leadership coach, and he is a phenomenal guy. So welcome to the show, Ron. Well, thank you so much. It's hard to live up to that, but thank you. <laughs> Great to have you on. Thank well, you. you know, let's talk a little bit about going back to work. Wow. For people that are watching this, uh, the workplace is uh, it can be tough. And Heidi and I, when we travel around and talk to people, you hear, and I'm sure you have, just horror stories about people trying to go back to work, not knowing what to do, you Absolutely. know, not knowing how to, how to deal with the workplace. And, you know, I'll be interested in your ideas about it. I, I think there's a certain amount of, unfortunately, having to treat people how to treat you. I don't know. Well, and you know this better than I do. Grief is a, uh, mortality is an uncomfortable subject. I mean, it's not something that you want to openly discuss in a board meeting or in business planning. Um, you know, a lot of times at work, they're under the impression that uh, they're, but for the grace of God, go I. You know, if I have to think about Ron losing a child, then my gosh, what would happen if I lost my child? So you've got a natural compunction just to shy away from the topic right there. But it goes a little farther. Lord knows that we're in an environment now where the employers are actually doing marvelous you know, morale and welfare programs, and they're really taking care of their employees, but they seem to still be a little indifferent to grief. And it's, it's proven out in a lot of ways, especially by the fact that we're still looking at studies that show that they're losing over $100 billion in annual revenue just in America alone. That's $100 billion each and every year. Wow. There is still a problem out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. $100 billion? Yes. And we had a, a grief index study from the Grief Research Institute it was done in, in 2003. And that was a long time ago and not a whole lot has changed. But if you take that $75.1 billion they come up with and add to it inflation rates, that by itself goes well over $100 billion. So, so Ron, I want to ask from a personal standpoint, mm-hmm. your son Jonathan was only 16 years old when he died of this rare heart disease. And how long after he died did you have to go back to work? And how was that for you? Well, I went back two weeks, which is a lot more than what the average bereavement leave in America is, which is only three days of average uh, bereavement leave paid by employers out there. I was lucky. I got two weeks. And still yet, I thought I was prepared, but I wasn't. 
but it goes it goes beyond me. It goes to my employer as well, and and not just my employer, but my coworkers. I, yeah. You know, I always said, and I'll make this real brief, but. You know, every morning at work, they used to gather at my office with coffee in hand and talk to me about what they were going to do. These were my managers that reported to me. And it was great. They told me what they were going to do for the day. They came to me. And then after I lost John and went back to work, they never came to my door anymore. Wow. And that says loads all by itself for the ripple effect that that does take effect company-wide when somebody loses somebody. Because they were nervous that you were grieving and they wouldn't know how to deal with it? Is that why? Exactly. They were uncomfortable and didn't know how to deal with it. They'd never received any kind of training for coworkers losing a loved one. Mm-hmm. What kind of industry were you in? I was in the service industry. It was a, you know, I, when I left law enforcement, I went to work for a, a defense contractor and then moved out to Memphis and went to work for a, a regional company, but large. I had 1,300 employees and, and nine managers that reported directly to me. So it was a wow. daily thing to have them stop by and it, it started out as first as, as casual, but I grew to rely on those little impromptu coffee stop by so I could tell what was going on for the day. And right. what that does just for the change of model afterwards was they stopped coming by. I had to go chase them down every day. Wow. And that's just a small example, a very small example. I'm sorry. Did you stay with that job? Uh, until I broke off and started doing this, I stayed at that job for another year. And, and then, um, I decided it was time to go live John's legacy out. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I know sometimes I've heard different stories. I've heard people who um, get more time off. They, they maybe uh, take six months off and come back. They were promised their job and their job's not there. I've right. heard that story. And then I've heard the story of people who uh, I worked in, in a medical setting for, mm-hmm. for a year. And then I decided I, I went back to school because it's a way I could leave. Right. Uh, I was teaching nursing and I could leave that setting. You'd think I'd get a lot of support in a medical community. Forget it. They're yeah. hospitals, they're there to cure people. They're not there to deal with people who are bereaved. Sure. And, and it, it happens in every industry out there. There's just an indifference to it is all. But we have to kind of look at it. And this is where I tell the employees that my fellow bereaved employees too, is that we are working for a business that is usually in the business of being in business. Right. Um, you know, business is productivity and productivity is boots on the ground. So there are reasons, including uh, legal liabilities that they have to hold to. Um, they can't give me two weeks and give somebody else three days and expect to not have to answer for that. Right. Um, so a lot of them will go by a set standard. But even when they don't, if you were to tell me I could take as much time off as I wanted to, how much time can I take off? How much can I afford? I don't have a never ending bank account. We need our money. Right. You know, so, they, they, so, Ron, so Ron, back to your son, because I'm really interested in, in your own situation with work. Was there anything that people did that was helpful at work um, or not really? You know, I had a very good boss. Uh, the, the most helpful thing he did was ask me if I needed to have uh, my credit card limit increased by another $20,000 to pay for the funeral. That was nice. And, and you won't wow. have that out there. Uh, I didn't take advantage of that, but I thought that was nice. Um, the next question was, uh, when are you coming back to work? Um, and I told him when I'm ready, but, uh, you know, I had people that were under my command and, and I had to go take care of them. I couldn't afford right. to take that much time off. Mm-hmm. There, there's a part of me that is one of the things I want to get off to my fellow grievers out there is a lot of why I went back to work was basically complicated grief. I wanted to divert the feelings. I wanted to go spend my time thinking about something else other than grief. And that really does repress or, or slow down our grieving process. It slows down our grief work. Mm-hmm. But I use work as an excuse to get away from the pain. 
Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I, I think uh, Heidi and I have uh, interviewed, I know you're interested in the difference between men and women's degree. And um, I don't know if this fits into your thought or model, but I, I seem to find that men like to do, sure. you know, they like to keep busy, they like to do, they like to fix. Right. And, you know, so, you know, go to places where you can still fix, where right. you can still do, where you can still be, where you still have some power. You have control. You couldn't control the loss, but you can go to work and control your own actions. Um, for me, I know I told you the story before. I, I turned my off-duty time into workshop. I went out in the workshop and built things. And if I hadn't gone through a little bit more healing, every piece of furniture in my house would have been self-created in my garage. But <laughs> It was something I could control and stop and start when I wanted. I couldn't control John's death. Mm -hmm. So I needed as a, a man to be able to control something. Mm -hmm. But so what, that, gets, that gets us in trouble, though, because we go back to work and we look like we're okay. Yeah. And if we put on a presumption to everybody else that we're okay, what do they think? Oh, yeah. he's just over it, right. which are, are my magic words. And let's not bring it up because he's over it. Right. Know? Let's not... We might remind him. We might remind him that Jonathan died. So let's not talk about it. Sure. And they, they think that, and sometimes early on, that might be painful. But as we progress through the transitions, it becomes less painful. And it becomes part of our healing process to hear it. Mm -hmm. so, know, we, what, so if I'm watching this right now, and I've had a loss or a, a loved one has, what can I do to help myself in that work setting? Well, make sure, number one, that you, I, and I always recommend this, contact your employer after the initial bereavement notification, but contact them and let them know that it's okay to let people know what happened. Not in great detail, and in very respectful detail, but number one, what that prevents is you going back to work and all your coworkers asking you what happened, making you repeat the story of your loss over and over and over again. And if you're, if you're civil, you'll do it. You don't realize, hey, I cannot do this if I don't want to, if it's hurting too much, but Gosh, no, you don't want to repeat that story over and over again. I didn't find that repeating my story was as bad as having people tell me their stories. True. About their, about their dog dying or. Yeah. Or any, you know, anything. I mean, you know, you're at work and somebody has to tell you the story of their family member dying. And it's sure. like, really, you know, you really don't need that right now. You just need. You to. don't. You don't. And. You know, a little bit of it is, is prepping the workspace, prepping people for when you're coming back. And, and, you know, I've said this for years, people are going to say things that are, you think are untasteful and, but they're not trained. They, they don't receive anything and they're uncomfortable. They don't know what to say to you. Um, every employee that's going back to work can probably tell you the story about walking down the hall and visibly seeing people just avoid them ducking in a room or, or ducking across a hallway, you know, just to avoid having to confront you because they're uncomfortable with it. Yeah, yeah. So, the so entire what, what else do you suggest? You suggest that you prepare the workplace. And so if you're an employer, I'm sure you talk about that in your book group in the workplace, telling them to what reach out to someone who's had a loss. What do you tell the employer to do? Well, number one, what you want to do is, is just make sure that you prepare the workplace in advance. So you know that when they come back, they're not going to be the same person right off the bat when they get back. They do not just get over it. We do not just get over it. Realize that, that, you know, during that bereavement leave, there was probably a lack of sleep. There was probably a lack of appetite. Somebody's going to come back to work and they're not going to be physically and mentally who they were before. There's going to be a short period of time, even in what we term to be the normal grievers. And my gosh, if, if you're going through your transition of grief and you're doing it healthfully, you know, you're just getting over that, that part of your, your grief where it's, it's, 
you know, really, really intense and never ending, seems like it's relentless. Then you start to have it lessen a bit just about the time you go back to work. And then you have to realize that those griefs, that those grief emotions are still going to come in waves. And the employers have to realize that is that you are going to need some time, even when you seem that you're okay, you're not always going to be okay. So give an employee a, a little bit of a break when they come back. They're not going to be as proficient. They're not going to be as creative. They're not going to be as motivated when they come back, but they are still your greatest asset. And given time and a little patience, they'll never be who they were before, but their job performance will be back to what it was before they had the loss. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I like that. So you go in, you go into the workplace and mm -hmm. work with companies and that kind of thing. What do you find the biggest obstacle in changes? Uh, we have an EAP, so we don't need this. Um, and I'm not being snarky because EAPs are wonderful employee assistance programs. Uh, the mental health services they provide are greatly needed, but it's just a single tool. Um, unfortunately, there's a stigma with EAPs, and you're probably well aware of this, where uh, there are reports out there that have come through SHRM that only 3 to 7% of eligible employees will ever use an employee assistance program. There's a, a stigma that surrounds that, that it's more for alcohol and substance abuse. And even if I, if I go and it's confidential and my boss finds out that I'm going to see a mental health professional, that could, that could impair my career decisions down the road. So I'm not going to go do that. And it's a shame because they're missing out on wonderful help that they could be getting. But you're looking at a program where you're only getting three to 7% participation. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if a business would let me run an internal program if I went to my boss and said, hey, I want to do this, but it's only going to impact three to 7% of our employees. The employee will spend more time or awake time with their coworkers than they will with family members at home. Wow. And I should tell you something. The average American works 90,000 hours in a lifetime. Wow. 90,000 hours. Wow. So who has more influence on us? Your, your coworkers. Sure. And, you know, if you do get a chance, you do go beyond the stigma and get in there with a mental health professional to talk about your pains and get help. You know, as well as I do, that you're being influenced by people at work every day that are untrained to deal with you and can say the most insensitive things and, and think that, or, and ask you, when are you going to be over this? Mm -hmm. uh, how much will that impact your, your whole grief healing process? Quite a bit. Now, I want to ask you if I'm watching this, and I'm getting ready to go back to work. Um, you're telling me I can actually contact these people. I may work for a big company where they have an, a, a good employee assistance program. How do I do it? I mean, do I tell my boss I'm gonna do it? How do I stay under the radar screen and still get help and stay out of the stigma and all that? Well, just that, the EAPs are always confidential. That's, that's their whole job is to help uh, you know the, uh, the employee and the employee's family with mental health issues, with financial issues, with with things that, that will help improve their performance at work, but are taking place at home. Um, you've got to get them beyond that stigma part of it and let them know that it is confidential and is not going to impede any kind of career process in the future. To me, I think it's the greatest thing you could do is to go get mental health. But at the same time, and I hate to say it this way, you might be scheduled a week out before you go get to see your counselor again. You might be scheduled two weeks out. Your biggest grief pains early on in the initial phase of grief are going to come at times that are of no choice to you. Waves of grief could hit you while you're working on a forklift, while you're um, filing your bank receipts for the company. Uh, they could do a lot of things at times that you're not even aware of. And that's what you've got to be careful of. The, 
The employee has to go back to work knowing that first and foremost, they need to take care of themselves. Because as we spoke of earlier, they probably had disruption to sleep. They probably had, they're probably not eating as well while they're out there. They're going back to work and hoping that they can perform the same as they did when they left. And they're going to be shocked to find out they just can't perform. Well, I'm thinking concentration too, right, Ron? I mean, right. I would imagine your, your head is in two different places. It is. I know after my brother died, my head was in the, my, the school piece, but more of my head was in the fact that he died and how he died, the way that he died, especially initially. Sure. And hard to focus on the schoolwork, which is why I dropped out of school, um, because I couldn't, I couldn't focus. Right. So, you know, it I is. That, that lack of focus is one of the biggest things because you've got a thousand other things that are racing through your mind. Not only do you have the, the, the grief emotions of fear and confusion and, and PTSD, but you know, if you've lost a spouse or even a child, if you've lost somebody that's that close to you, you've probably got logistical matters that you're taking care of too, legal and financial. And those can't be done in three short days. Uh, you're going to come back to work. And, you know, the old axiom that we used to carry that, you know, don't bring your home life to work with you is just, if you're, you're still looking at that, then, then you're looking in an outdated world because quite frankly, you are at work who you are at home. Nobody's going to be different. I don't want somebody to, to be a different person when they come to work than that character that they are at home. Mm -hmm. You're going to bring those problems to work with you. And when you're suffering through all the logistical things you've got to do and all the pains you've got to do, your mind's going to be unfocused. Okay, so I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, okay, Ron, I'm going to have to go back to work. Give me some tips. First what one, like I, like I said, be kind to yourself and be slow. Let them know in advance that you are going to need from time to time, you might need a break. Um, there are going to be times, and, and like I said, you know this as well as I do, I'm transitioning out of that PTSD and the shock of the first week, week and a half to two weeks. But, you know, the grief waves are still going to come. Just because they're not intense and relentless doesn't mean they're not going to hit me several times a day. And I'm going to need to take a break, whether that's taking a walk, whether it's taking the rest of the day off. Just make sure your supervisors know that. Make sure your teammates know that. You know, have some kind of tap out word. Hey, I'm done. I'm taking a break. I'll be back in a little while or I'll be back tomorrow. Now, all this, again, you have to be, you have to be mindful that a business is there to make money. I hate to say it. I mean, nobody went into business and I wouldn't come to you and say, hey, can we start a business and lose money? Right. You know, they need people there and they need them doing the job. So we have to be respectful of them. But at the same time, You've got to be able to go in there and let them know there are going to be times where I'm not going to be up to speed. I'm not going to be 100%, and I need to let you know that. Uh, also, go in there and ask your human resource department for all the help that they've got, no matter what it is. Hopefully, a good forward-thinking human resource department already has the local hospice uh, counselors that are outside of an EAP, the, the local grief support organizations that are out there in the nonprofit world websites like yours where you go to and get grief support um you know i always said that, that at 3 a.m there's not a lot of people i can call but I, I can go online and i can i can find somebody who's been through what i've been through so a good forward-thinking human resource department will already have all those resources ready to go mm -hmm. so don't be afraid to go to them and ask what they've gotten if they don't tell them to go look for it i like that they could take it in the middle of the night watch this show that you're doing yes Exactly. It's, it's available 24 hours a day. And most human resource departments don't know that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so one of the advocacy, advocacies yeah. behind this is to get out there and let them know what resources are available for free to their employees. I love it. Yeah. So 
I'm thinking you've written this book, Grief in the Workplace, and I am an employer, and I am thinking, I'm maybe Bruce, but also an employer, I'm thinking I want you to come into my company. How does that happen, and what would you do? Well, I can simply go to my website, rglennkelly.com, and there's a whole section on there that is about the seminars. I call it the Grief in the Workplace Leadership Seminars, where I do go into companies, and they're, they're three-hour blocks. Uh, I can do two in one day, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. I can do weekend sessions if they have a retreat someplace. Uh, basically, get together with their leadership. It's not for the bereaved employees. It's basically for the leadership to teach them the care and feeding of the bereaved employee. Um, what they'll benefit from that basically is a, a much stronger relationship with the employee who's going to grow for them. Uh, they're going to do away with accidents and injuries in the workplace. They're going to do away with higher workers' comp rates. Uh, they're going to see a better branding for the company. The, the, the rewards for this are much more astounding when you realize that they are free. It doesn't cost anything to do this. All it is is just the awareness and understanding of what that grieving employee is going through. Drew, does that make sense? Absolutely. Well, I love it because, you know, everybody's got loss. I mean, everybody in everywhere, they've lost parents, they've lost grandparents, they've lost whatever. I mean, it's part of life and uh, opting up to it, being prepared uh, for your employer or for somebody watching this show who's had a loss or for the person who has to have the work setting. So I love it. And I love what you're doing. I, I think it's well, great. We're, we're not alone when we go back to work with our grief. The American Hospice Foundation said that over 4 million people every year will lose a family member, 4 million people in the workplace. And that it, one of the biggest things we have to look at is the Department of Labor actually lists the, that period, that time when an employee is at his peak performance or her peak performance is 35 years of age but 35 is also the average age of a parent who loses a child. Mm -hmm. wow. So if, if you let those two meet together, there's a problem right there by itself. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. so and it, and it, our it, number one visit at Open to Hope actually is adults who've lost parents. Think of all the baby boomers that are in this market right now that are looking for help. And, and they kind of get overlooked. Oh, it's just, you know, a parent. Sorry. They expect you to be over that in two weeks. And people are not. And don't forget our silent grievers. You've got one million women out there every year who lose a child before it's even born. 26,000 by stillbirth. Wow. One million miscarriages a year, 26,000 by stillbirth. Wow. Now, they also probably have a, a, a spouse or a life partner. So you've got grief that's impacting both of those and they're working aged adults. Right. So well, thank, you. thank you for all the work and help you're doing for people. And I love your new book, Grief in the Workplace. It's going to be awesome. And thank you, I hope everybody will spread the word about our Glenn and let people know to give us your website again. Uh, website is www.rglenn with two N's, Kelly, no second E in Kelly.com. All right. Thank you. Thank thanks you. Ron. Thanks for Thank all you. that you're doing for the world. And thanks uh, for all that you're doing for those that are working after a loss. And for what both of you do as well. Thank you. Well, thanks everybody for watching this show about grief support in the workplace. And Heidi and I, and I'm sure Ron, want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please visit us at Open to Hope and uh, lean on our hope until you find your own. And God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. 
I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.